Good morning. The reading this morning is Psalm 22, and that can be found on the Pew Bibles on page 554, page 554. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potch head, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. At the ends of the earth, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. This is the word of the Lord.
On the uh, 6th of February this year, at 1.17am GMT, a 7.8 earthquake struck Turkey and North Syria. It was followed up by another 7.7 earthquake. There was widespread damage and tens of thousands of fatalities. I checked on Monday and more than 57,300 deaths were confirmed, making it the deadliest natural disaster in modern history, though it seems to have gone off our news channels particularly. Uh, many people have asked and will ask questions like, where was God? Uh, if God was good, why would he allow such a devastating event to occur? The, the why question. And this morning we may also be tempted to ask why God? Um, of course, from time to time, the question of why comes closer to home. Uh, we have to deal with our own personal tragedies and circumstances perhaps through cancer, some tragic event. And we may be here this morning dealing with something uh, that is extremely difficult, crying out to God, why? Why? In response, what can Christianity offer? Uh, We might not be able to give uh, a full answer or even a partial answer. I'm sure that we... uh, can't consider all the many aspects of human suffering in one short sermon. But I do at least offer us this. And I offer this through this reading this morning. I can offer you the cross. I can offer you the cross. God, our Father, as we look at your word together, we pray that you'll help us. We always need your help. Uh, Forgive us when we don't turn to you. Please help us to understand more of the cross in our lives. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please do keep it open uh, in front of you, Psalm 22. Um, we, I, we very much believe here at St. John's that God himself um, came to earth deliberately to put himself on the hook, if you like, of human suffering on the cross. You see, what we have in Jesus Christ as, uh, as God, who experienced the greatest um, depths of pain and suffering, uh, and though Christianity doesn't um, provide um, uh, the reason and the explanation of every pain and every disease and hurt, it does provide us, I think, through the cross, a deep resource, a deep hope that will give each of us courage, that will give us each of us an ability to face whatever it is that we go through in those why questions. And I think sometimes we fail, fall into a trap of thinking somehow that Jesus um, was, a, was a superhero. And, and of course, in some senses, that is true. We love to sing, you know, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. And we know that's that is true, but, but yet we must remember that Jesus is, was human too, wasn't he? You know, you could, you could walk up to Jesus in that first century, you could slap him on the face, you could spit on him, and of course, people did do that to him. 
He was a real human. He was really God and really human. And as he faced death, he was anything but fearless. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then, of course, on the cross, Jesus cries out in confidence, uh, not in confidence, but rather in pain and anguish, as he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's hooked up there on the cross. Jesus cries in pain, in suffering. And of course, people today still cry out in all sorts of different situations for all sorts of different reasons, and, and you may be in that place today. Yet we must not think of Jesus on the cross as somehow a, a victim. No, for he was lifted up, as the scriptures tell us. He was lifted up that he would draw all people to himself. John chapter 12, verse 32. And this is the crucial difference between his suffering and our suffering. His cry came not so much from the pain and the spice, as cruel and as horrible as they would have been, nor from the crushing pressure on his chest, from the agony of his, uh, but actually came because of his agony in his soul. Because if you think about it, the grass, Jesus' suffering, must see him as God. We see him as, as part of the Trinity, don't we? At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, a voice came from heaven, you know it well, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And so the Son of God, the Son of God had a love uh, unlike any love the world really has ever seen. He was intimately bound up to God, uh, Father, Son and Holy Spirit together before the world was even created, they were together. And yet, at the end of his life on the cross, he was cut off from the Father. I guess the closest we get is this kind of love is a love perhaps for a spouse or a child or a really dear loved one. But the infinite love of the Father that Jesus had from all eternity goes way beyond it, doesn't it? As the father turned his face away from the son, it sent Jesus, I think, into a state of shock and of abandonment. So he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here in Psalm 22, verse 1. It's a deeply relational statement. My God, my God. Jesus did not... uh, die renouncing um, God but surrendering his faith to God the Father an expression of affirmation that he is his Father even as Jesus is cut off he's still expressing you see the language of love of relationship, of intimacy to his Father And the first thing I really want us to to note here is just Jesus' trust in the time of great suffering. The psalm was written um, by King David as a lament uh, 
in uh, his years in the wilderness, uh, where Saul, King Saul, was pursuing him uh, and uh, was a jealous king and going after David. And so David cries out for help. And the psalm expresses David's trust in God, even in the painful and difficult situation. And so this psalm is a prophetic uh, picture of Jesus' crucifixion, isn't it? Written thousands of years um, before the actual crucifixion. But it's prophetic. And you see it, don't you, in verse 7 and 8. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And you hear the echoes, don't you, on the cross in Matthew's Gospel, where the soldiers and others said, He saves others, let him save himself. What a catalogue of evils we read here in verses 12 to 18 as the Messiah is crucified. And notice how uh, kind of animalistic um, the terms that are used here. They surround the sufferer, the Messiah, like savage bulls, verse 12, roaring lions, verse 13, or like dogs, verse 16. It's kind of horrific bloodthirst of the, of the crowd, almost subhuman, animalistic in its approach. And that's what happens sometimes, isn't it, when crowds can get together, they can become quite bloodthirsty. We see it even today. And so these are the sufferings that accompany the crucifixion, so fully experienced by Jesus Christ on the cross. His, verse 14, bones are out of joint, He's a raging thirst, verse 15. His hands and feet are pierced, verse 16. People stare at his nakedness, verse 17. And perhaps most humiliating of all, he watches as his clothes are bartered for, in verse 18. Each of these things are fulfilled in the death of Jesus. Jesus on the cross is fulfilling the plan and the will of God. Why? To save us to save you and me. He's going through all this. He endured it all for you and me to save us. What extraordinary love. And he endured it all spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally so we would go free. He suffered hell so that we would not suffer hell. Punished for our sins was laid on him so we could go free. As Jesus was suffering on the cross, I I often wonder what he would be, was thinking. What was, it's maybe a futile task, but perhaps Jesus, we can say that he was thinking about his father. Hence the my God, my God. Um, Jesus, you see, didn't, not, didn't think that simply uh, as God's son, that God would sort of save him for, or become immune from anything that happened to him in order to fulfill his plan. And sometimes we um, think a little bit like that, even being followers of Jesus, we sometimes think that being a Christian um, means that we should somehow be immune to anything going wrong or or, or any suffering. I mean, I I heard a very strange story about one uh, lay preacher who claimed that God would look after him 
come what may. And uh, this preacher tried to persuade police that he had the highest level of insurance cover of all, divine protection, and said that it meant that he didn't need an MOT, an insurance, car insurance, or road tax. <laughs> he also had a false number plate, apparently, that said Dute 818, I think it was, which had some, was a reference to Deuteronomy 818, something about the, the, the source of God, being the power coming from God. Sadly, the court saw differently. <laughs> but, you know, we can fall into that, can't we? We can fall into that. God never promises us freedom from trouble, but he does promise us strength to endure. He does promise us um, strength and that he is there and that we can trust him. You see that, don't you, here in verse 19? But you, Lord... Do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. You are my strength. Verse 21, rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. You know, God is our rescuer. God is our hope. He is there, whatever we go through. Jesus trusts in the heavenly Father, and it is well-founded. He is trustworthy. You can trust him this morning, whatever you're going through. So what does that mean for us now? What does it mean for the future? Well, the result of all this uh, suffering, there is also here in the scripture, Psalm 22, an incredible victory. And you see that towards the end. Um, We can have victory even in times of suffering. Only in the mind of God could such an amazing victory come from such a deep suffering. But that is often how God works, isn't it? Through Jesus' death on a cross came the most magnificent result. He rose again. He defeated death. He's alive now at the right hand, interceding for you and for me. Jesus is interceding for us. God has answered Jesus and he's declaring God's faithfulness to his people. See that in verse 22. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. Verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. No longer will people rise up against God. Rather they will turn to him in repentance and faith. They'll bow down to him, belong to him, be his people again. And you get this wonderful conclusion in verse 30. Future generations will be told about the Lord. You are the future generations. You have been told about the Lord. And they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. He has done it. He has done it. What does that remind you of? Where does it remind you? Where have you heard that before? On the cross, as Jesus died in John, John 19, the last words on the cross, it is finished. He has done it. Picking up the same thing from Psalm 22. Victory is won. It is finished. Done. Penalty for sin paid for. Freedom has been won. And in three days he rises again and defeats death. He's alive. 
He has the victory. And we can know, we can know that now. We can live in that knowledge of forgiveness and that one day he's going to put everything right. One day there will be no more crying and weeping and pain and suffering, no more um, toil. And we shall see God face to face. We'll be with Jesus forever. What a wonderful picture that will be. And we can have a foretaste of that now. So let's spur one another on in that, in the knowledge of that. We began by asking that big question uh, about why, uh, why does God allow things like this suffering to happen? And as we look at the cross, we may have still have many questions, many things that remain unanswered, but we know what the answer can't be. We know what the answer can't be. It can't be that God doesn't love us. Yeah? It can't be that he's indifferent or detached from our suffering. God takes on our misery on the cross and dies himself. God crucified, isn't it? Willing to take it upon himself to set us free. As, I, as we close, uh, run out of time, um, I do enjoy watching Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry if I've mentioned Lord of the Rings Poor old Liam has to part with it quite a lot in the office. Um, but um, there's a bit in it right at the end where there's a guy called Sam Ganji um, who discovers that his friend Gandalf, who's like one of the big hero figures in the, in the movie, um, he was not dead as he thought. He thought he died. He was not dead, but he was alive. And uh, he cries out, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? And the answer of the cross and the answer of Christianity is yes. We might have many questions about how that works. But yes, everything sad is going to come untrue. And it will be somehow even better and greater for having once been broken and lost. Of course, we're going to have many questions. But the cross helps to shape uh, everything for us. And I think this psalm shows us Jesus. He came and died for us. What love, uh, what depth of love for us. And, and, I, and I pray that for each of us, we would just, this, as we approach Easter over these next couple of weeks, we would really just spend time in that, focusing on the cross. Focusing on the depth of his love for us. Shall we just take a moment to pray? God our Father, we come before you and, and uh, we recognise there may be many here who have, are experiencing all kinds of difficulty or sorrow. And Father, yet we see the cross and we thank you that you uh, understand pain because Jesus died on the cross for us to save us from our sin and to rise again. We thank you that he has done it. It is completed and we can know the truth of that in our lives now and one day it will be fully revealed and seen by all. Please help us to trust your son, Jesus, 
Please help us this Easter to look to the cross, to keep looking at the cross and to know your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.